everybody to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. We have our co-host, Matt and Vitor, here as well. This week, we are going to kick off our position preview series. We're going to go through every single position on the Jets roster one by one, break them down, see who they have, look at their outlooks. And at the end of it, we're going to have the entire roster broken down, all set for training camp. This week, we're going to start off naturally with quarterbacks. It's going to be a lot of talk about Zach Wilson, some talk about the backups to finish up. I'm going to hand it off to Vitor, and he is going to get us started by talking about Zach Wilson's mental processing. Vitor, take it away. So, guys, talking about Zach Wilson, one of his greatest assets is his ability to process what's happening, right? Right in front of him. But from the tape that I saw in BYU, he ran a plan of two offensive schemes, the air raid and a variation to the Shanahan scheme. Mm -hmm. In both schemes, he was required to read things pre-snap and make his calls, right? Much more when he, they were running air raid three-by-one sets than when they were running wide zone and he was reading layered concepts. But one thing that I know from Zach Wilson is he makes his reads pre-snap, he finds space, gets the ball there. In the NFL, he will face defenses, most especially two defenses that he will see twice a year, Miami and New England, that love to rotate things post-snap. So they shoot a look. And they do something different. That's what Sam Arnold said at the Monday Night Football game. He was seeing goals because New England was rotating the hell out of their backers, backers and safeties. And Darnold wasn't seeing them. So what I want to see from Zach Wilson is an ability to understand what's going on post-snap. And I think this is going to be key for his success in year one. So the Jets will be running a lot of play action, right? And when you're going to play action, you're turning your backs to the defense. So yep. you're not seeing, you're rotating, right? So, so Zach Wilson will need, and he, and everyone says he's a tape maniac, loves to watch tape, watch tape every day. He'll need to do that, right? Because when the Jets are running that, those layered concepts that they like to run, flood, you can go high low with hitch and eggs. He will need to know that things may not be equal as what he saw pre-snap. Right. And this is going to be important. When facing the New England Patriots, he's going to see the Patriots showing him blitz zero and rotating to cover three. He's going to see the Patriots showing him cover, cover zero, blitz zero, and rotating to cover four. Rotating man-to-man with a guy with a free safety over the top. So processing is the main asset for Zach Wilson here that he will need to translate his game from a pre-snap standpoint to a post-snap adaptability. Right. If yep. he doesn't do that, I can see some interceptions early for Zach Wilson. This is something that the Jets will need to work on him. How they do that, get him going with quicker throws early in the game so he can see how the defense is rotating and he won't allow the defense to rotate and get to his balls. Like throwing short passes early, it won't matter if the safeties are rotating deep. He'll see and complete passes and then he will adapt earlier later in the game, right? So, Andrew, you told me on Twitter one day that Zach Wilson reads defenses like Joe Burrow. He yep. attacks them based on their pre-snap looks. I'd love to see and to listen to you break this down also. Yeah. Uh, so what, what I mean by that uh, is Wilson, um, it's really important for quarterbacks to do this. He doesn't need to watch his receivers. And what I mean by that is he knows where his receiver is supposed to be and when based on the timing of the play and knows what spot he has to throw the ball to to make a completion. He's not looking at a receiver off the line and going, I'm wa- watching to see if you break open. I know you're supposed to be here at 
2.2 seconds into the play when my foot hits its fifth step and I'm starting to throw, you should be right on the inside. He knows that. And so he doesn't waste time looking at what's happening in front of him. His eyes go straight to the safeties as soon as the ball is snapped. If he's not doing a play action, like you're saying, as soon as the ball is snapped, his eyes go to the safeties and he looks for rotation. And based on the rotation of the safeties, he makes an educated guess on what coverage he thinks is happening, knows where his receivers are going to be, and just picks where there's going to be the most space to throw the ball. So if you have, like for your saying, uh, for instance, Vitor, like you're saying, where if it's a coverage rotation post-snap, where uh, the Steelers do one in particular that I put in, that he um, that I, I see a lot where they, they start in single high, it looks like robber, and then they rotate to cover two, and it's basically a Tampa two, and their strong safety bails out um, and goes and brackets to the outside to Tampa two, where if that were to happen with Wilson, he would see that. And if he knew he had a, a post route coming and that safety is going to be going the opposite direction from it, then he's going to just hold the safety deep with the eyes and then throw in the space where he isn't and hope the guy runs in there, runs under it to meet him. And Joe Burrow did the same thing at LSU. And it was what made him so good against teams like Alabama that run a lot of tricky coverages is because it kind of doesn't matter what coverage you're running. As long as he's just going to throw it where your guys aren't covering on that particular coverage. If he has a receiver going into that area. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. Mm-hmm. The one thing about processing that I love to see from Zach here, I think you guys will agree with me here, that he didn't face many blitz, like heavy blitz situations in college, right? And when he did, his line used it to hold. In the NFL, you won't see that. You need to think quicker. When the Jets, the Jets will be facing 35 plus yards many times this season. And that's when the quarterback needs to think quicker, right? His pre-snap and his post-snap, they they basically happen at the same time. Pre-snap, you see something. Post-snap, defense comes. He needs to adapt quickly. Quickly. So this is something that I'm willing to see if that staff will do some vanilla stuff for Zach. Like, hey, if try to pick a matchup, try to go one-on-one, get your easier matchup, go there. If things don't break your way, don't worry. Take your sack, throw it away. I really want to see that happen or see if Zach shows off in training camp like, hey, guys, I picked up the playbook. I'm going to burn this defense by this, this way. I know how to face splits by this, this way. This guy, this is my hot. If this hot gets covered, I have this option. I think this is going to be really interesting early in Zach's career. The Like what's new for for him, right? And that right. thing to cover, cover rotate, rotations, blitzes, overloads. Uh, you know, I'm really excited to see how Zach handles that. Uh, yeah, I think it's really important that we have a quarterback now that was able to master his offense mm-hmm. in college. And we talked about this with Sherwood, how he knew what he was doing. Yep. He fit in his defense. He knew his role. He knew everybody else's role. Yep. And how that allowed him to just, you know, perform. All he had to do was do what he needed to do. Yep. And it's like that with Zach. He was able to master his offense and he knew what he needed to do. It it just came down to him performing. And he did it a lot more than he did. Yeah, no, he he absolutely. um, The one thing that you that I kept writing in my notes when I was first watching him uh, in January at the beginning of the process is that he has such obvious control of the offense. 
that yep. he never looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. He never looks like, you know, he's he's caught off guard. If something doesn't quite look right, if it looks like there's a, a quote unquote miscommunication on the play, it's usually not his fault. And that's that is a guy that knows his playbook, like we're saying. And I think it's important for and with the Jets, he needs to do the same thing. And I think that he will. But most importantly, he needs to take that command of the offense. I don't want this to be a situation where Zach Wilson is having these plays handed to him saying these plays are going to be open. We're going to run these plays, trust the play calls. And cause that's all well and good. And I think Michael floor uh, will be a very, very solid play caller, but at some point it's the difference between a good quarterback and a great quarterback is the great quarterbacks when they're actually on the field, they can see something they like pre-snap and have the control and the confidence to go. I'm going to make it happen because I know that I can, and I know what I'm seeing and then execute. And I want to see Zach Wilson take the step to do that. If it happens as a rookie, we got something really special. The last, the last thing we all want to see is the Jets handing Zach a red, green, and yellow mm-hmm. bullshit telling him what to do. And I think that this won't happen. He's a very bright kid. He'll pick up the playbook from day one. I think, I think we'll see some reports in training camp like, Zach Wilson impresses teammates, staff by knowing everything he needs to do, those kind of stuff. Yeah. I think this will separate him from Sam Darnold as well. Because in times it felt like Sam Darnold was just trying to play within a system that he never made his own. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Zach Wilson will be able to make this his system and he'll flourish in. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen him do it. And I think that's a really important thing to understand we talked about it when we were breaking down the difference between him and fields is we all thought fields would be capable of learning a playbook but zach wilson's just already called the plays so we have evidence that he knows this playbook and he knows how to execute it well a good majority like vitor said at the beginning it's half air raid half shanahan wide zone west coast but a lot of air raid concepts are nfl concepts now too the, the air raid is, is by no means the college game anymore. It's basically the Kansas City offense. Is, yep. it, the Kansas City is very similar. Basically, the Kansas City offense is the Shanahan offense from the shotgun. And it's zone concepts and quick passes underneath with air raid concepts deep. It's going to be a similar type of scheme in New York. And we know that he knows how to make the reads and that he knows how to read the understand the timing of the play and he knows when I have to make this throw to get the ball there on time and accurately to beat this coverage or whatever he might see. He's, we, he's been able to do it. Now what he does against what he hasn't seen is what we have to obviously see for ourselves, but he's very, very, very smart and his processing speed. It doesn't take him long to understand what he's seeing. Yep. Yeah, uh, so that'll lead us into my next point with Zach, uh, which I think is a really, really good jumping off point from here, which is his ball placement. And it's how he understands leverage of defenders. And it speaks to that processing speed is that it, he's, he's really good with his eyes and that he sees a lot of things, but he also understands what he's seeing. And that's really, really important because there's plenty of examples where I could pull up. Uh, Sanchez was like this, where he would be looking dead at a linebacker, dropping into a zone, and there'd be a slant route that's completely going to be picked off if he throws it. And even though he sees the linebacker, he still throws it. 
And it's the yep. difference between seeing it and understanding it. Zach Wilson is really, really good at understanding what he sees. And he had mentioned this in multiple interviews before the start of this past year, where he had this phenomenal season and took this major jump. And basically it got him to being the second pick in the draft. He had talked about, he studied Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees really, really, really specifically. And what he took away from them and their tape is they have absolutely no fear of throwing the ball, regardless of coverage, if the defender isn't looking at the ball. If their heads are turned and they can't see the ball coming or what direction it's going to be in or what shoulder or leverage or anything, yep. then the guy's open. And it's when people talk about throwing receivers open or elevating the players around you, that's what it means. It means that a guy could be completely and totally covered, but because the DB was in man coverage and did a man turn and had his back uh, with back to the ball and the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers knows he's got Devontae Adams on the sideline and he can just put it back shoulder and they're going to adjust. And it's going to be a big gain, even though the defense did everything right. Zach Wilson learned that and mastered it in one year. In, yeah. in one year, he said, this is something that I want to learn to do that. It's really, really important that I think I could make a part of my game. And he was the best quarterback at it in this entire draft. Like it wasn't even close. His ball placement and understanding of leverage and his ability to throw players open was my favorite thing about his game. It was the highest rated trait he had for me. Like even over his arm strength, it was his ball placement and his ability to just basically make any throw capable is, is unparalleled. Isn't it's the great equalizer. And I think that was, there's one play against LA tech that he had in the first drive. It was first down. They call play action uh, boot concept where he's got two uh, receiver and a tight end to the left. And he's got Dax Milne running a go route to the right. And they call the boot and he looks to the left because he's got on a deeper out receiver. He's running a short stop route and he looks to the left and a guy drops out, fakes, you know, rushing and drops into the zone, immediately turns off of it, comes over to the boot, knows he's got safeties bracketing covering the boot. So he rolls out to the right and Dax Milne's one-on-one -on -one down the sideline with a corner who had to pick him up in zone and now has his back turned. Wilson just on the run both feet in the air, just flicks the ball 40 yards, puts it perfectly outside back shoulder. Dax catches it, taps his two feet down. It's a big play before they, and they go in and score like two plays later. And yeah. it, it was everything you wanted to see in an NFL quarterback. in that one rep, it was the defense did everything right. They shut down his first read. They shut down his second read. His third read was covered. He made a 35 yard gain anyway, and just did it like it was nothing. Yeah. And he did that often, right? Yeah. I had a coach when I was 13. He he the first lesson, first day of practice, I threw an interception because I was late on a goal route. And then he said, Don't be late. If the cornerback turns his back, just throw it. Just throw it. He won't pick you off. Just throw it. He will pick you off if you wait for him to turn. And that's what Zach did basically in every goal route to Dex Mill. He was not the fastest player. He was lower than any other cornerback. And Zach was a completely like 20 goal routes for him last season. And he was not a fast player. You know? Another thing that I like about Zach's ball placement is his ability to change the ball speed through mm -hmm. intermediate routes. Yes. And this is going to be so, so great for the Jets. It's a, already yeah, because the Jets run a lot of layered, high-low concepts, like bootleg floods in mm -hmm. the pocket, a 12-yard dig from the outside receiver, a hitch from the slot. And he'll need to place the football in between the backer and the safety. And sometimes you need just a little touch, right? Over the backer, in between the safety, in front of the safety, 
because they, they have some nice space in between them. But when the backer and the safety, they are close, you need a faster football. And Zach can do both. This is great about, about his ability to get the ball, anticipate the throw and have the perfect ball placement. I don't know if you guys remember this game in the 90s where there's like a ball full of water on a zip line and it had like a timer on it and you had to like shoot the ball to one to the person you're playing with I back do and remember forth. that. Yeah. And then it would just explode. That's what his ball placement reminds me of of just a ball on fire on a zip line. It mm-hmm. just goes exactly where it wants to go. It it seems magical at some point. Yeah. It, I don't understand how he's able to do it so consistently, but I'm glad he can. And it's it, it's a thing to see. And I don't know if anybody else in this class, QB class, was able to do what he could do with ball placement. In not fact, I know close. they can. Not, not even, close, even close. in my opinion. Justin Fields was really, really good at it too, but only on short routes and deep routes. His intermediate needed a little work. It did, yes. But and, and but those back shoulder passes that I saw him do with Max, mm-hmm. uh, the they it, it was I, I would always just like have my jaw open just a little bit more each time he threw those passes. Yeah, my, one of my uh, in my notes for him when I was going through comps, one of my comps that I wrote down was Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah, it just picks a shot from anywhere and it just goes where he wants it to. And a quick release, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just a pistol firing. Doesn't matter. Yeah, those back shoulders are really amazing to me because the Jets are going to have two guys. I know Denzel Mims ran a sub for four forty, but both him and Corey Davis are not those burner types of outside receivers, right? So I can see Zach abusing off the back shoulder with these guys. Just abuse. Yes. yes. Thank you, Vitor, for bringing this up because I completely would have forgotten. Denzel Mims is about to explode. If you want to talk about a player to bet on for this coming season, for who's going to be, I think Elijah Moore is going to have his you know fair share of being Wilson's favorite target, but he is going to absolutely freaking love Denzel Mims because if Denzel Mims is on the sideline, it doesn't matter who's on him. He's open. It, it does not matter who's yeah. on him. He is open. He will make the catch. He will find a way to adjust his body. And Zach Wilson's going to, it's, this is going to be everything that Dax Milne was for Zach Wilson at BYU. Denzel Mims is that, but a hundred thousand times more athletic. Exactly. When I was watching BYU, the only thing I could think of was, if this dude can do that with that with Dax Mule, what can can he do with Denzel Mims? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a perfect fit. Yeah, it's it's an absolutely perfect fit. It is. This is the perfect marriage of a player you already had in your on your roster to the incoming player for him. And you could not have asked for a better receiver for Zach Wilson to grow with than second year Denzel Mims. Giving me goosebumps. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I can't oh, wait I to actually see it. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for it. I'm a healthy from the beginning. Denzel Mims, like fantasy. If you're doing fantasy drafts, I'm not, you know, by no means am I a fantasy guru, but buy Denzel Mims. Don't tell anybody. He's, he's my sleeper. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's a good transition. Uh, Matt, you're going to get into Wilson's athleticism. I'm going to let you take the floor and uh, go ahead and break it down for us. Let's talk about it. All right. So Zach, he's athletic. All right. He's not Lamar Jackson athletic, of mm-hmm. course, but he's athletic. 
And I hate pro comps to people, uh, but I'm going to do it anyways. I would say okay. he's a faster Baker Mayfield. He's athletic enough to make plays out of the structure, and you can design some some runs for him. His athleticism isn't so good that you want him getting a, a like a, a hefty load of of runs though, because I don't know if he can handle it. I don't think his body can handle that kind of punishment. And I'd like him to avoid those hits if possible. I'm not saying we shouldn't design some plays because I think we definitely should. Because uh, we got to keep defenses honest. And his athletic ability will allow us to do that. Now, if Lamar Jackson is averaging, I don't know, like 100 or so designed rushing attempts a season, I'd probably want Wilson at around 35 to 40. Uh, because again, I don't think his body can handle much more than that until he can prove otherwise. I am going to side on caution. Uh, one design play I think would work very well with him, uh, is using, uh, Elijah Moore. I think we should, uh, we should have him do some, uh, some fake jet sweeps and then just have AVT pull. And have uh, Wilson follow him right into the end zone. Ooh, counter a uh, little counter play off a little the counter option. Yeah, oh. and and then we can even build off of that. We can run that same exact play and uh, make it a pop pass. Maybe have Crowder or Corey Davis streaking a, on a on a crosser. The throwback because, screen to Elijah Moore off the motion. Exactly, we could do that as well. I mean, the, all those linebackers are going to be stuck on Moore. Everybody's this is why they drafted Elijah Moore, Moore, by the way. Like as quick side note, like everything we were talking about pre-draft of they need their gadget guy, they need their they need their decoy. They got him. They got him. Yeah. This he's gonna do so much even when he's not getting the ball. Yes. And I think that's gonna play into the run game with with Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he can, he's got the straight line speed to beat linebackers to their spot. And he could do this on draws. He could do this on counters. He could do this on RPOs. He's got, we've got options. Of course, like I said before, I wouldn't do more than maybe like three of these a game mm. because we got to keep this guy healthy. And most of his running is probably going to be on scrambles or when he's, uh, or when he's rolling out of the pocket. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the most important run play that Zach Wilson is going to have is going to be the naked boot. Oh, those naked boots. Yeah, those those are... He just has to be fast enough to be a threat on the naked boot, first and foremost, which he is, which he are. That's that's not even a question. The only thing he really needs to work on is play fakes, because (laughs) his play fake at BYU was absolutely horrible. There were times, however, I want to interject, there were times where BYU would design their running back to go the wrong way on purpose. Was that on purpose? I, yes. I was wondering that. Yes, he's backside I, in protection. Yes, he's going. Yeah, so if you think about it, if Zach Wilson, if you think of like the pistol uh, stretch play action that they run all the time, yeah. if he's running that to the left, the running back goes out to the right because the right tackle is like cutting up on the run play to make it look like it's more of a run play. So the running back comes out backside and they'll also leak him out the backside as like if the defense flows because they just see the offensive lineman. Sometimes it's the running back. Don't get me wrong. There are times where Wilson just goes the wrong way. And and that's on him. 
but there are a few times where it looks that way because the running back is designed to literally go against the grain of the blocking. That makes yep. sense. Uh, you know, then there's times where oh, go go ahead. No, two two ways that I think that Zach Wilson can be an asset for a round game. Number one, when the Jets run the boot and everyone is covered, I think Zach is a threat to take the ball, pick up a first down, score yep. a touchdown. He's fast and athletic enough for that. The other thing is the Jets are going to run the outside zone, wide zone scheme, right? And they don't have a great tight end group right now. So you can see this team running the wide zone a lot from the gun. And when you run outside zone, wide zone from the gun, your backside tackle, he just lets the backside edge free. When you don't have a quarterback that can pull the ball on your option, the backside edge has a day. He has a free lane to the running back. Zach Wilson can be a guy that can just push the ball and run twice or three times a game yep. and make the backside edge, make him honest, right? Don't yeah. let him just shoot the gap and attack the run. And this is something that the Jets will get from Zach Wilson that the 49ers did not have to grapple. Yep. They usually had their backside tackle sinking quite a bit on the backside edge because mm-hmm. if he didn't do so, there would be a tackle for a loss. This is something that I really think Zach can help the Jets ground game. Pull the ball twice a game. Get the ball twice a game. Make this backside edge defender honest and go from there. I agree with Matt here. You don't want him. You, you don't want Zach like carrying the ball five to eight times a game. No. That's not his frame. But three times to two times more than enough to make the backside edge uncomfortable. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I think it's why the 49ers traded three first round picks for Trey Lance because they need to incorporate the quarterback run option threat into their offense. Is it's so much more important to just have a guy that's threatening with it than it is to have somebody actually doing it. And you go back to Shanahan when he was with uh, the with Washington with RG three and Alfred Morris. Alfred Morris ran for sixteen hundred yards as a rookie because no backside end ever crashed down because they were terrified of RG three, and he would have the backside lane on the zone plays from the gun anytime he wanted. And Alfred Morris just had to run straight and run through people, which is what he was best at. And it's why they drafted Trey Sermon. It's going to be the same offense that they ran when he was with Washington. And with the Jets, it's important, like you were saying, from gun the same type of way where Wilson is athletic enough to have the counter to just you can't have backside ends just crashing the whole time. So they're not going to be blocked. And he is going to be athletic enough to freeze them. I think zone read is going to be one of our main red zone plays. Yep. It's just going to it's going to be backside end. We're going to put you in a pickle. You have these two guys. You're going to be crashing down. You can either crash down and Wilson only has to get three yards around the corner or you can stay home. And Michael Carter is just going to cut under you and poke the ball in and score. Pick your poison. Agree. And with Wilson, I mean, the running game is great. But as far as his athleticism goes, I like to see him use that in the pocket as well. Avoiding pressure. And there's times where I see him thinking he's Ben Roethlisberger or Josh Allen, where he can just shrug off hits and stand tall in the pocket and deliver. And I'd like to see him use it more outside of the structure of the plays, because sometimes he will take those hits in the pocket when he doesn't need to. Mm -hmm. He and sometimes it leads to errant throws as well. I want to see him use what I know he has and what he can do. 
he just needs the confidence to use it more. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I would like to see him. It's like we talked about. We birthed him down before. Uh, we want to see him be more deliberate. And we want to, in the pocket at least, he's very deliberate through his reads. And when he has a guy open, it's there. But we just want to see him be a little more deliberate in his pocket movement and a little more uh, not so comfortable. When you have a great offensive line, it's great to be comfortable. But in, you know, the Jets' offensive line is going to be improved, but it's not going to be nearly the quality it was that BYU's was against the players they were facing. And he's going to have to speed up that internal clock and learn to deal with guys around him more. The good thing is, I think with a guy like Wilson that can, there's another point to his athleticism in a different way, his arm is so flexible and he can make throws from any platform and any angle that he can adjust in the pocket and, you know, make a, a sidearm throw if he has to, if a guy's covered or go over the top on one play. And it's, he's very, very malleable with his body like that. And it was kind of, it's kind of why I gave him the Steph Curry comp. Cause it was like, it doesn't matter if he's covered or if he has to duck around somebody and it's just, I'll adjust what I have to make a flick. And then the ball's going to go where I need it to go. And we just want to see him do that more. And one big step from 2019 to 2020 in 2019, you'd see him, try to make these throws and they would probably end up being picked off. I feel like in 2020, he had a little bit more, uh, a little bit more presence. He had a little bit more know-it-all to where he was and where everybody else was on the field. So you see a lot more throwaways or you see a lot more passes to where he knows nobody's going to pick it off. Yes. Or you just see completions. You weren't seeing the mm-hmm. interceptions anymore, or you weren't seeing the turnover-worthy plays. And that was something that really stuck out to me watching 2019 and 2020. Uh, and But he, he's a mobile guy. He's a guy that can really do wonders for us on the move. And then I start looking at the depth on our team and in the quarterback room, and I don't see much at all. And I don't think the depth we're looking for is on the team at all. And one guy I'm looking at is Nick Mullins. He's another guy I think has decent mobility and the ability to stand tall in the pocket and make throws. And he already knows the system. He knows the the coaches. He's I think he's already the perfect fit to put in there behind Zach Wilson. What say you? Uh, Vitor, I'll let you go first. Well, I was thinking they were going to sign Brian Hoyer, right? He played in San mm-hmm. Francisco, too. I like him. Right. I like Brian Hoyer a lot. I like his arm. But yeah, what Matt said is completely correct. This depth chart now with the quarterback spot is pretty much dry, right? It's because this defense has so many holes that we don't even talk about it. But if Zach Wilson goes down, we're trusting on James Morgan or Mike White to take on the quarterback spot. And that's not ideal. It's far from that. So if the Jets want to sign a guy like Nick Mullins, I think he's a good fit. Last year, Kurt Warner said the 49ers had two quarterbacks with starting potential. Jimmy G and Nick Mullins, because he really liked Nick Mullins. I won't go as far as Kurt, but I think Mullins is a good player. You know, if Zach goes down for a couple of weeks, I think he can keep the tempo, tempo up. He knows the scheme. It would be a great signing. Who else do we have right now in the quarterback market? Maybe calling calling back Josh McCown. I don't know. Robert Griffin, maybe. I'd, eh. 
Um, I'm going to go a couple different directions than you guys, actually. And I don't disagree with Nick Mullins at all. I think he would definitely be a fit. I think, you know, he has some starting experience, not a lot, but he has started some games. He's been in the building with Kyle Shanahan and, you know, he knows the offense, knows the scheme, knows, you know, can just be another voice in the room that can give Zach Wilson on pointers and what to look for or how to run this play a specific way or anything like that. 100% co-sign what you guys just said, but I'm going to give some other options, not because I disagree, but because I want to give some other options. Um, First off, I would be calling the Bears and asking how what because they gave up some picks for Justin Fields. If they're committed to Justin Fields, which I think they're going to be late round pick for Nick Foles. Because he's got two years left on his contract, has played in a similar scheme throughout his uh, career. The Kansas City tree, um, you know, Matt Nagy, uh, Andy Reid compared to Shanahan. It's different, but not entirely so. It's it's West Coast at its core. And it's Nick Foles is a veteran. He's been around multiple, multiple schemes. He's going to be able to learn a playbook and he's going to be a veteran presence that could give Wilson something that Nick Mullins can't, which is I started in a Super Bowl. I won a Super Bowl. I had the pressure on me as, you know, someone that was doubted that, you know, they could kind of see very similarities between each other. Zach Wilson was the three-star recruit that didn't get recruited by Utah, his dream school, and went to their rival BYU and wasn't a first-round draft pick until October of this past year. You know, he's got that underdog in him, and I think Nick Foles has some of that too. And I think he is a higher-quality backup, not only in the classroom, but potentially on the field, than Nick Mullins would be. So it would be the the premium upgrade if you're looking to add add the premium upgrade would be make a trade for Nick Foles. Conversely, I'm going to stand for James Morgan because (laughs) I don't believe it was an Adam Gase pick. I think Joe Douglas really, really liked James Morgan. And I think if you look at what he really, really liked about Zach Wilson, it's kind of the same thing. Strong arm ability to win with ball placement, deep ball accuracy, will stand in the pocket and make tough throws. Competition didn't matter. That wasn't a part of it. And it it was just understanding what he was seeing, strong arm, confidence to make throws into tight windows. That's that's Zach Wilson. I mean, that's that's similar type of traits. I think the Jets took James Morgan in the fourth round because clearly they weren't 100% sold on Sam Darnold, but they must have really, really liked him because there were other players or other needs at the time, people were a little confused and they went, Oh, you know, developmental quarterback. Maybe this is, you know, Adam Gase likes this guy, or I, I think this is a guy they liked. And I think that they're going to give him a shot to potentially be the backup quarterback. I think they're going to be in wait and see mode. Mm -hmm. They're going to go into training camp probably as is. I don't expect them to sign anybody before then. And they're going to see what they have in Morgan and white. They got two guys that haven't seen a single snap in the NFL. Yeah. So they, they, they have some stakes, some high stakes here. Uh, it would be a high stakes gamble to go into the season with these two guys as your only options behind Wilson. Mm-hmm. And they'll get a good look at them. And if they feel like they're not good enough, which they very well might, then yeah, maybe they do go that Foles route or the Mullins route. Falls, I'm a little hesitant with just because of the price tag he'll carry with him. Can I add in? Can I interject to that to counter that? It would be a post June seven. Oh, so that would only be what? So it would be it would be it would be four million charged to the Bears, and it would be five million this year and four million next year for the Jets. I still think that's a lot for a backup. It is. Like I said, it would be premium backup. Yeah, Uh, and I I 
I sort of cringe a little thinking about paying that much to a backup quarterback, but at the same time, Wilson is a rookie and we are still unsure of his right. ability to stay healthy. So I think you're also paying for Nick Foles' experience in the quarterback room too. Yes. Yeah. All true. Although I we, think we, we wanted experience from Flacco as well. And <laughs> that didn't really help much either. Yeah. But granted Flacco wasn't did well when he was, you know, clearly Flacco was understanding something. Flacco didn't play terribly. Didn't play terribly. Yeah, I Flacco guess was it, fine when he played. Yeah, exactly. In comparison to to Sam, yes, right. We don't know what he that. what he told Sam and what Sam you know comprehended, but uh, clearly Flacco knew what he was seeing. Adam Gase aside, not saying that you know Flacco was amazing, but it was evident that the offense was better with Joe Flacco playing than it was with Sam Darnold. Yeah, indeed. So with, with Foles, basically the Jets, if they sign him post June seventh, they would get him for two years, nine million dollars, right? Yes. This is, a, I think, this is a fine deal for a backup. Even Me more too. so when your starting quarterback is a rookie quarterback who mm-hmm. has never played in the game. I think the Jets. If I were the Jets, what would I do? OTAs and training camp to evaluate James Morgan, right? I also believe he's he was a Joe Douglas pick. He was a team leader. He had a strong arm. Yep. I think he was a guy Douglas liked and saw and viewed as a long term backup, and he values backups, right? Yeah. He was he was the guy who was in Philly with Falls, right? Familiar with him exactly. He values backups, so I think he picked James Morgan to be the team's long term backup, and I think they will evaluate Morgan and give him a chance to be already this year, the team's backup. If Morgan shows he's not ready, you can easily pivot to either Mullins or Foles. And I really like the Foles route, Andrew, that you played out here. Two years, $9 million for a high-quality backup who can clearly come in and, you know, for a stretch of games, Foles can be just fine. He can be just fine. And next year that we're all expecting the Jets to compete for a playoff spot, maybe even more, if Zach goes down, you would love to. You don't want the season to end, right? You want a guy like Nick Foles right. who can come in and play well. So, my plan is evaluate James Morgan, see what he's got. If not, give it to Nick Foles. Two years, $9 million for your team that has a lot of cap space, just fine. The Bears are like taking, wanting something unreasonable for Foles, a high draft pick. You go to Nick Mullins, get your experience back up, who knows the other. One side note on Mullins is he did just have shoulder surgery uh, yeah. and he probably won't be ready until training camp. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if that move ever happens, it, it definitely won't be until he's ready to go. Right. right. But now yeah, do you I, think the bears uh, hold on to, would rather hold on to Foles for that reason? Because they got a rookie quarterback as well. Yeah, or they, do got they, do? they got Dalton, right. but who would you rather have as protection? Uh, I think, uh, quite uh, honestly, I, I I would have said that I would have given a slight edge to Dalton, but they would have been almost equal in my eyes. And I think from the Bears' perspective, since you have two of them, and I don't think they were expecting Justin Fields to like fall to where he did and be able to go and get him. This doesn't seem like it was a, a you know meticulously planned out thing until after they had already signed Dalton. Well, you know, well into signing Dalton, so. They need to kind of make some picks back too. They didn't have that many picks beforehand. 
and they yep. just traded more to go get Justin Fields, and they traded future picks to go get Justin Fields. And even if it's a, a conditional sixth, that's you know, here's a sixth. If Nick Foles plays more than forty percent of the snaps in 2020 or 2021, it becomes a fifth rounder. You got to get picks back somehow, and you're not gonna. I don't think you're gonna keep, especially for the price. You know, if you're looking at it, it would be expensive to have just Nick Foles on the roster for us. Are you really going to keep Justin Fields, Nick Foles, and Andy Dalton on the roster? It's so reasonable, right? I yeah. wouldn't do it if it was a I don't think I would either. So get Foles to get some third string reps in training camp? Makes no sense, right? Right. You want a younger guy here doing that? Absolutely. Like, you're going to pay Nick Foles $5 million to play in the second preseason game? Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Do we think Morgan suits up this year? <laughs> or does he go another year without ever getting dressed? Uh, I think he... I think he will suit up because I think the post-June 7 for Nick Foles is possible, and I think it's certainly likely, but I think the most likely outcome is that James Morgan is the backup quarterback this year because the Jets aren't 100% worried about being in contention. And if it looks like they might be, then they'll sign a capable backup. Oh, so you're thinking mid-season trade. That's, it could be a trade. It could be you know somebody is you know available off the street that was released and not signed again. Uh, it's, I think it could be a situation like that where the Jets aren't so much sitting here going, you know, we need to have our backup quarterback situation 100% laid out and everything else. The Jets were hoping to be competitive this year. They signed Joe Flacco because Sam Darnold had a shown injury problem and this was hoping to be improvement under year 3. You know, you're hoping to you're hoping to win games. You were 7 and 9 the year before. You know, this is we need to have a backup because we need to have a backup. Now that's you were just 2 and 14, you're starting a rookie quarterback. The timeline's different. They might not be so worried with a new head coach and everything else to go, okay, well we need to have the perfect quality backup quarterback. And it's the counter to my Nick Foles argument, where if they want that veteran presence, that experience and, you know, that person in the room to be the Josh McCown for Zach Wilson, then it's going to matter more to them for that. But if they look at it from the aspect of, well, I don't think we're going to be in contention. then I think they roll with James Morgan until they show that they're good enough to worry about it. Yeah. I'm on board with that. Yeah. 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 You know, the conclusion here is that they waited out, right. Mm -hmm. To see if they're good, to see how Morgan looks. It'll take some time for the Jets before they sign a backup quarterback, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I don't think anything is going to happen soon. Although I do have a feeling that we probably won't be the only team in the market for fields. Or not for fields, for polls. Uh, no. When it comes down to it. So we might need to jump on that a little earlier than we're thinking right now. Uh, possibly. It all depends on, like I said, it depends on what the coaching staff and what the front office values. If they value Nick Foles from a veteran leader perspective and from a mentor perspective, then I think they'll do what they can to make it done, to get it done probably in the works before June 7th. And then after it happens, after June 7th happens, the trade happens immediately. And it'll just be, this is already set in stone. We just have to wait until this day to do it. Or they could go the other way and not do it at all, which I think is also a possibility. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, that wraps up uh, the position as a whole. I think a fun little way to end really quick, guys. Uh, you want to give out some bold predictions? Hmm. Uh, all right. All right. I would say Zach Wilson finishes the year as a top 15 quarterback in passing and in scoring. I'll say Zach Wilson wins offensive rookie of. I could see both of those. I could see both of those for sure. Uh, I'm going to go slightly related to Zach Wilson passing game as a whole. Um, Denzel Mims is a pro bowler. Oh, I thought you were just doing bold predictions about Wilson, but yeah. Pass, uh, passing game. Passing, passing game. game. You guys, I'm going to be, I'm going to be completely honest, Matt, you stole mine, but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, passing game with relationship that he develops with Wilson, or I'll say it this way. Zach Wilson is going to get a great relationship formed with Denzel Mims, which will result in Mims being a pro bowler. Perfect. I'm on board with that. Yeah, that, that would be great. Let's do it. Uh, all right. Well, that is the first episode of our positional preview, guys. Tune in next week. We are going to be breaking down the wide receivers, conveniently enough. Uh, I'm sure Denzel Mims will hear uh, his plenty of his name next week. This has been the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. I am Andrew, co-host Matt and Vitor here as well. You can find me at AndrewGolden underscore 17. Guys, drop your handles. Call it a day. You can find me on Twitter at, at ZazzyJets. And you can find me at VitorPivaAmp. Thank you guys for listening, and we will be back next week. Bye-bye.